I have a question for you. What are your two most valued senses? Just think about that. What are your two most valued senses? I think if you really thought about it, most of us would immediately say sight and hearing, right? Because after all, those are pretty important, right? Life would be much harder if we did not have sight or hearing. Without sight, just getting around would be substantially more difficult. Uh, without hearing, right? It, that would be hard. I mean, after all, we know how it is trying to communicate with Eddie or Paul, you know? It's just... <laughs> yeah, that was a, a low blow, but you, you know. You get my point. Without these two senses, life would be so much harder. With them, life is smooth, but without them, life would be much more difficult. Now, I think this is partially why in the New Testament, the writers talk a lot about these two things. They use them to describe life, but not life as we know it. They use them in relation to spiritual life. They take these two senses that we're well acquainted with, sight and hearing, and they take them to show how uh, vital they are to the spiritual reality. We got a Game Boy going on back there or something? <laughs> anyway, Pokemon? Is that it? Anyway, uh, these two senses, they're vital. Hearing, you just see, I can notice the Game Boy in the audience. That's all right. Um, two vital senses. Can we see our spiritual needs and can we hear the one who provides for those needs? Now, out of these two senses, I think sight, at least it seems to be the one most referenced in Scripture. After all, there's a lot of talk of light. Have you noticed that there's a lot of talk of light in the New Testament? So what is this light to begin with? And that's where we pick up in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'm going to back up and read verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life. Remember, we're talking about the Word. Spoiler, that's Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. In him, in Jesus, was life. The Word, Jesus, who was in the beginning. Right, that word through whom creation came about, the material in him, in the word, is life. What does it mean to say that life was in a person before material creation came about? Think about that. That's what the text is saying. Jesus, the word, who was in the beginning, who was there before creation came about, in him was life. See, matter did not give rise to life. Life gave rise to matter. Because God, the Word, Jesus, they are the source of life. Really, they are life in a way. God is the eternal living being from whom creation came about. It came into existence. Matter did not give rise to life. Life gave rise to matter. Do you see the issue of thinking otherwise? Do you see the issue of thinking matter gave rise to life? If you think that way, then life would be dependent on matter. Matter would be more valued than life. Matter would be more vital than life. Do you see the issue of that? If we were to believe that, 
what would that mean? To think that life came from matter. How would that change how we lived? Well, then matter would be everything. Stuff would be everything. We would live for stuff. Well, wait a minute. So many people live that way already. Some people might not think it, but they live that way. They live as if matter is more important than life. They, they work their jobs, they work themselves to death just so they could have stuff, just so they could have money, so they could acquire stuff, they could acquire a nice house, they'd acquire nice cars. They work themselves to death just so they could have things. Whole countries value matter more than life itself. Whole countries will go to war with other countries and kill people just because they want something, whether it be oil or money. So many people live that way. People live as if matter is more valuable than life. But there's so much wrong with that. Life predates matter. We only have matter because there is life. When John says, in him was life, I don't think life as we know it, this physical life currently, this flawed life, I don't think it's his main point. It's part of the point, but it's not his main point. I think his main point is about spiritual life, life that has eternal ramifications. After all, John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. See, we're dealing with something more serious than our finite, flawed, and fleshly lives. So in Him was life. In Him was true spiritual life. And that life, as the text says, is the light of men. What does it mean to say that spiritual life is the light of men? Let me ask you this. What does light do for us? By light, we can see, right? By light, we can navigate much more easily. By light, things are exposed as they are. See, church, without Jesus, without the life he provides, you are in darkness. Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, there are a few different responses people will have to light. Um, One, some people will embrace it and they'll use it to navigate, right? And two, some people flee from it. Some people will flee from the light to find another form of darkness to hide in, right? Have you ever moved an appliance like in a roach-infested garage? You know, it's kind of gross. You know, you pick up the appliance and then, boom, hundreds of roaches just scatter, right? They scatter and they go off into another dark corner, another dark crawl space to hide under. And let's be honest, this might sound brutal, but some people act like roaches, okay? Some people act like roaches. Once exposed to the light, they want nothing to do with it. I hope we respond in the first way, right? Embrace the light. Because here's the thing, darkness has nothing important to offer you. It's a losing battle. The darkness has not overcome the light. Now, the latter half of verse 5 there can be translated a little differently. It could mean has not overcome it, or it can mean does not understand it. The darkness doesn't understand the light. It can't even begin to fathom what the light 
is, it cannot grasp it. Darkness is dumb, all right? Now, don't call people dumb, okay? Don't, call, don't do that. Uh, I'm not advocating for that, but you get my point. Darkness cannot overcome it, and darkness certainly does not understand the light. And so sometimes we're confused as to why people just don't get it. Well, it kind of makes sense. If they're in the darkness, they're not going to understand the light. It's going to be foolishness to them. Of course they don't understand it. They're in darkness. But for those in the light, there is life. There is true spiritual life in Christ, this life that provides us a way to see things as they are because life is light in Christ. But now what, right? What do we do with this light? How do we live? Verses 6 through 8, John the Baptist displays one thing. Verses 6 through 8 say this, There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Two words. Bear witness. Right? In other words, testify to the fact of who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished because Jesus has accomplished so much as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Now, we don't, we don't just testify by words only. We testify by deeds. You see, the word here for witness in the Greek is martyria. Right, what does that sound like? Martyria. That sounds like our word martyr, and it's very closely related to our word martyr. So when we witness, we don't just witness by what we say, we witness by what we do. We witness by being willing to sacrifice ourselves to the point of becoming a martyr. And see, John the Baptist, he most certainly did that. He prepared the way he witnessed for Christ, and it quite literally cost him his head. Moving on to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now we're going to stop here briefly. When it says the light gives light to everyone, I don't think that means everybody's enlightened. Rather, the light shines on everyone, but not everybody understands it. Not everybody grasps it. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. How crazy it that the creator of the world could enter into the world, and yet people don't know him. Verse 11, he came into his own, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. His own chosen people out of creation, the Jews, you know, people that weren't really all that impressive, they didn't have any, any merit to have God choose them. They didn't have much power, but chosen nonetheless and rejected Christ nonetheless. Verse 12. But to all did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now this is an interesting verse for a number of reasons. Now the word therefore received him actually has a more intense connotation. The word itself kind of has to do with seizing, to snatch up, right? And so those who, who really see the light, who see the life that Christ offers, they can't help but snatch him up, right? It's not just some, oh, I, I think I'll take you up. I think I'll pick you up. It's not like you're picking some item from a thrift store, that, okay, that you don't need. No, Christ is something so valuable. He is so glorious. The life he offers is so good. The light he offers is so good that you can't help but snatch him up. That's what he's saying here. We can't help 
to snatch him up and believe in his name. And this word here for to be born, to become children of God, that, beco- that word for become literally means born or created. Now you may wonder, well, I thought I already was born. Yes, you were, but this is a new birth. This is a new creation. You are made like Christ. You are recreated. You are shaped to look like Christ. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's what you are born into. That's what you are recreated. You are recreated to take a part of that will of God by Christ. So how is this possible? How do, we, how do we even begin to witness about the life? How, how do we even be born again? How are we recreated? Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, this is where it begins. This is what makes it possible for us to be recreated because Christ came down in the flesh, he lowered himself, right? Make no mistake, Jesus had life before he entered into the flesh. Jesus had life so much more glorious than the life we know it now. Life by far more glorious that he entered into the flesh, flesh that is able to be hurt, flesh that is weak, flesh that can be killed. He gave up what is really true life so he could come down and save us. And in the flesh, as verse 14 says, man, he was full of grace and truth. You want to know where you get grace and truth from? You got to go to the source. You got to go to the one who is full of those two things. Part of the reason I think so many people are confused, um, so many people claim a truth, right? So many people say, you know what, you have your own truth, I have my own truth. I think part of the reason is because they are in darkness. People don't know what truth is because they're clamoring around in the darkness and once they grab a hold of something that seems like substance, they think it's truth. But they don't really see it for what it is. Verses 15 and 16. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is, this is he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. There's an abundance of grace from Christ. Sometimes it takes us so long to realize that. Grace upon grace. How much grace we have received from Christ. It, sometimes it's got to make you just break down. It's got to overwhelm you. Grace upon grace. That's kind of what John is trying to get out here. So much grace, it's overbearing. I think of the, what is called the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7. Where she's just so overwhelmed by the grace of Christ. 
as the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they looked at her and said, man, Jesus, do you even know who this woman is? Of course Jesus does. And yet he shows her an overabundance of grace. And she can't help but break down in tears and wash his feet. Grace upon grace. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Christ. What does the law do, if you remember? What does the law do? It condemns, right? It condemns according to Romans 3. But now, through Jesus, from whom came grace and truth, what happens? We are saved. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, we are saved by what? By grace through faith in Jesus. And in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in him. Romans 8, 1. Grace upon grace. Grace we did not deserve. Grace in overabundance. And finally, in verse 18. Now, if you notice, verses 1 through 18 in John chapter 1 set up the rest of the gospel. They're essentially an introduction. And so John, he leads to the rest of the gospel in this way in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, at first glance, that might seem like a contradiction. No one has ever seen God, but the, the only God right, has made him known. That might seem like a contradiction, but I don't think it is. No one has ever seen God right, in his full glory, but we have seen God in the glory that Christ was in the flesh. And Christ has made God known. And church, through the true life he offers, we may see by his light. So we ought to be a witness to that light. All right, look what all comes with that light. Look at the text. Grace upon grace, the truth. We can become children of God. Look at all that's promised. The question is, are you going to be a roach or are you going to snatch up Christ and never let go of his light? You can come now as we stand and sing.